0: CHAPTER Four OF THINGS SEEN IN VENICE BY LONSDALE AND LAURA Rag. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN VENICE ON FOOT THE casual visitor to Venice, more especially if he be, as many are, inclined to spend his fortnight there as luxuriously as possible, often leaves the city without any suspicion that the whole of it practically can be traversed on foot he finds gondolas waiting all day long within call of the concierge of his hotel, or perhaps, with self-congratulatory foresight, he has engaged a particular gondolier by the week. For the longer trips, to Torcello, Morano or Chioggia, he arranges that his gondolier shall deposit him at the place where the steamboat starts. Possibly in rare moments when the instinct of economy gets the better of him, he may occasionally take the tram-steamer to the Lido or up to the Grand Canal. Only in the piazza and its purlieus does he condescend to set foot to ground, except where his gondola lands him, by grace of the Rampino, the chartered libertine of an old man with a boat-hook, who claims to earn a halfpenny more or less at every disembarkation. Having feed this worthy and well-meaning veteran, usually an ex-gondolier past work, The tourist visits the church or other object which he has set out to see, and returns post-haste to the comfortable cushions which it had cost him some effort to leave. But whoso would explore at all fully the beauties which Venice offers at every turn, must say good-bye to the gondola cushions for hours together, and take to his feet, and to the somewhat uneven pavement on which the Venetian habitually walks he will find that the network of side canals which presents so many quaint corners and picturesque vistas to the delighted eye as one glides slowly along in gondola is supplemented by a still more elaborate network of narrow and tortuous lanes these calli as they are called provide an access for foot-passengers to every venetian dwelling and public building and furnish incidentally numberless little gems of beauty and interest that can only be seen by the enterprising pedestrian. So true is this, that the late Colonel Hugh Douglas took the trouble to compile an elaborate and systematic guide to Venice on foot, and a very useful little book it is. Without a careful study of the map, the foreigner will find it no easy task to find his way along the Cali. These alleys have many angles in their course, and few indeed of such angles are right angles you may know quite well in what direction you started but i defy any one without a pocket compass to be sure of the direction in which his face is set after ten minutes progress along the venetian thoroughfares an ordinary bump of topography is absolutely useless in this mad city where all the buildings seem to have been thrown down quite capriciously and haphazard like toy bricks on the nursery floor of some titan's child even the natives if you should ask them the way to some object five minutes walk distant will probably answer politely i cannot explain it to the signor but i will accompany him one afternoon i met at two minutes distance from san stefano a born venetian who anxiously inquired of me the way to that church when i showed him how near we were to the object of his quest he explained his ignorance by saying, Io sono di Castello, signor. He belonged to the eastern division of the city, the Sestiere, of Castello, so he could not be expected to possess any acquaintance with the topography of another quarter. The municipality does its best to keep us informed. There is no lack of clearly painted instructions and directions at every important corner in each of the campielli or campi, the name given to all the squares or open spaces other than the piazza two or three or sometimes even four lines of inscription explain to the instructed traveller his whereabouts but the stranger certainly needs a little preliminary instruction otherwise the thoughtful care of a grandmotherly municipio will only cause him increased embarrassment what would the uninstructed make for instance of an inscription such as this sestieri di Canareggio parrocchia santi Ermagura e Fortunato san marcuola fondamente e rio della malvasia At the risk therefore of tediousness it will be wise before committing ourselves to the sinuosities of the venetian calle to spend a moment or two on technical terms. The city of Venice is divided and has been divided since the twelfth century into six sections called sestieri, three of these are on the north side of the grand canal canareggio which includes the railway station on the west san marco in the middle and castello including the arsenal and the public gardens on the east on the other side of the canalazzo are the sestieri of Santa croce facing the railway station and verging to the west san polo occupying the central position and Osoduro, a large sestieri, Which embraces not only the region lying to the south of the San Marco end of the Grand Canal, but also further south again the separate island of the Giudecca. The houses in each of these cestieri are numbered straight on, not according to the number of houses in a given street or calle. Thus, one of a group or row of half a dozen dwellings may be the proud possessor of a numerical title which runs into four figures. There is an item in the largest cestieri that of castello which attains to the formidable total of number six thousand eight hundred and forty eight beneath the name of the cestieri comes ordinarily that of the parish there are in all thirty parishes in venice including that of san Eufemia on the and many of them bear the names of little-known or quaintly disguised saints we have already spoken of the way in which two quadrisyllabic names were transformed into the more manageable san Marcuola. another instance of the same process of transformation is to be found on one of the most picturesque of the side canals in the Sestiera of dosodoro within two minutes walk of the academia or art gallery here the two saints gervasius and protasius have consented to be known compactly as san trovasso most of the venetian churches are approached from an open space a little square which is invariably named after the church's patron saint such a square is not dignified with the name of piazza so and so as it would be in any other italian city it is called campo or if it be very small campiello campo i e meadow is a word that suggests at once venice's chief defect the truth is that in former days grass did really grow in these open spaces where now all is a wilderness of paving stones. These campi and campielli, especially those more remote from the more frequented canals, are well worth inspection. There one may often see Venetian life in its naive state, watch the popolino, the proletariat as we should say, enjoying itself in its own chosen ways, and hear the soft dialect to perfection. A typical campo of the plebeian sort is the spacious but not very dignified campo santa margarita in the parish of santa maria del carmine a few of the campi like that of san polo are on certain days by permission of the authorities converted into drying grounds for the laundresses all of them without exception become playgrounds for the children of the neighbourhood out of school hours scenes of such incessant and strident though good-tempered uproar that those whose lodging abuts upon a campo or campiello are often tempted to wish that the Italian child was kept at school for more hours in the day. A special feature of interest in most of the campi is the wellhead, now supplied with splendid water by aqueduct from the mountain, a point of meeting and an excuse for gossip for many a lively and picturesque group of women. Some of the finest wellheads, from an artistic point of view, are to be found in enclosed courtyards be it the grand quadrangle of the ducal palace or some secluded and forgotten corte in the less known parts of the city these little corti have no outlet as a rule except the entrance and if a stranger moved by curiosity or enticed by a glimpse of some unusually picturesque object be seen to enter one the chances are that he will be annoyed by the shouts of well-meaning but officious boys Non si passa non si passa as much as to say no thoroughfare the same fate may overtake him and with more reason if he turn down a calle and there are many of them which is a cul-de-sac he who is bold enough and wise enough to explore venice on foot must be prepared for sundry false leads and momentary embarrassments when he is just congratulating himself on having discovered a genuine shortcut ten to one he will find himself suddenly pulled up by green water his cleverness has only led him to an impassable side canal and he must humbly retrace his steps not every such adventure is a waste of time however very likely the blind alley may have introduced him to some graceful little scrap of sculpture let into a most unlikely wall or to some pathetically cared for miniature shrine of the madonna not mentioned in any guide-book nor known to the average well informed student of Venice. Besides Calle, Campo, Campielle, and Corte, there are various other mystic signs inscribed upon the walls. calesella is the diminutive of Calle and is applied to a passage of even narrower proportions than the normal ones, in which two people can scarcely pass one another without touching. Soto Portico is a name applied to a covered way often leading into a corte. Ponte, of course, means bridge-there are between three and four hundred of them in Venice connecting the footways on this side and that of the numberless small canals and every bridge involves eight or a dozen stone steps to be mounted by the weary pedestrian. Besides the exercise it affords to the mountaineering muscles of the walker the Venetian bridge subserves another useful purpose-it forms a convenient landmark, The third turn to the right after the second bridge is a typical direction to have given one. Río means a canal, fondamenta, a paved path or quay which sometimes runs beside a río, where the houses do not, as is often the case, rise up sheer out of the water. Squero is a word dear to the painter's heart, for it denotes one of the most sketchable objects in this artist's paradise the yard or shed where gondolas are sent for their periodical cleaning and repair here the eye has a rest from the ubiquitous stonework of palace bridge and pavement the rich dark tones of wooden sheds are enforced when the squero is active by a touch of smoke and flame backed sometimes as in the favourite squero of san Trovasso, by a refreshing mass of green bushes the names of the Cali are often very quaint and sometimes unintelligible more often than not they record either the name of a great family of the neighbourhood or of an art or trade once practised there Calle de Magazene is a frequently recurring title which however gives us no more definite information than that there was at some time or another a shop in the Calle more specific in their teaching are names like Calle del Pestrin of the dairyman del Remer of the Ormaker, maker della malvasia of the shop where imported wines were sold del frutarol of the fruit-seller del caffetiere of the coffee housekeeper, del forner of the baker del becher of the butcher and so on at least two of the busiest venetian streets the merceria and the frezzaria are without the surname calais or its equivalent the former explains itself the latter means a place where arrows were made. Sometimes the name points to a characteristic of the street itself. Cale Larga and calle Lunga, like Merceria, explain themselves sufficiently, and so almost does calle Crocera, which simply means cross street. Similarly, Ponte Storta, crooked bridge, is the name for a bridge which crosses the canal diagonally. Now and again, a more picturesque memory is enshrined in the title, as in the case of Ponte de la Guerra, Bridge of the Battle, and Ponte de Pugni, Bridge of the Fisticuffs, both of which were scenes of the annual contests which took place all through the Middle Ages and down to the 18th century between the Castellani in the east of the city and the Nicolotti of the west, hearty faction fights which not seldom resulted in fatalities, but were sometimes tolerated sometimes actually approved by the authorities. Calle del Traghetto is a name which combines ornament with usefulness, for it enables the stranger to advance with confidence, sure that if he strikes green water at the other end, he will find also the means of crossing it, and not be forced to retrace his steps under a fire of juvenile criticism. Ruga, C.F. French Rue, is a calle that was lined with shops on either hand ramo is a name that frequently appears it is applied to a branch or small offshoot of a larger calle salizzada which simply means a pavement or paved place records the fact that the usually rather broad calle so named was once the principal street in its parish and so achieved the dignity of a paved condition in the remote ages when the rest of venice was in a state more easily imagined than described one other term demands a place in our working vocabulary piscina which implies that the little open space so designated is not just a campiello or small square but the site of an old fish pond certain routes which form the arteries of venetian life and movement like the merceria venice's bond street which leads from the piazza to the neighbourhood of the rialto or the vastly more complicated route which conducts you, if you can trace it, from the Accademia to the railway station, are quite busy thoroughfares, especially at certain times of day. Some of the most frequented thoroughfares, like the Via Vittorio Emanuele and the Cale Larga 22 Marzo, March twenty second, 1848, both commemorating in their names the struggle for Italian liberty, have been widened to meet the necessities of modern traffic but in the rest a motley stream of good-natured humanity jostles itself amiably at exceedingly close quarters, while the few individuals whose business carries them in the unfashionable direction have as much as they can do to make any headway. Many of the Venetian churches and other points of interest are most conveniently visited on foot. Indeed, the visitor who shirks walking will almost certainly remain ignorant of some of the things most worth seeing. Such are the beautiful little campo and church of San Aponal, Saint Apollinaris, with its precious bit of sculpture from the demolished church of Santa Elena, Santa Maria Meta Domini, Santa Andrea, with its typical campo, recalling the old days when these campi had a right to the name of meadows and other spots too numerous for mention. Some of which cannot be very comfortably approached in gondola while others gain in the dramatic force of their impressiveness when approached on foot. Then there are recognized promenades where gentle exercise can be combined with the joy of a sunbath and the edification of a little sight-seeing if desired. The famous Riva degli Schiavoni, commonly called for short the Riva, is the noblest and most popular of these promenades as you walk along it you have the continuous prospect of the bacino di san marco with its shipping the fine group of the custom-house and church of the salute in the middle distance to one side and in the background the long line of the Giudecca, the island of san giorgio maggiore in the centre with its striking outline of church and convent buildings and at the other extreme a distant view of the lido venice's natural breakwater and its attendant islands on its landward side meanwhile the river gives access directly or through side passages to numberless points of interest the church of san zaccaria the small chapel of the sclavonian fraternity adorned with carpaccio's masterpieces the greek church with its leaning tower the old granaries of the republic abutting on the river itself now converted by a compassionate city to serve as a nightly shelter for the homeless poor and above all the famous arsenal with grecian lions on its portal the busy scene as dante records of venice's shipbuilding in the days of her naval greatness a longer walk in the same direction will bring the pedestrian to the public gardens one of the few beneficent traces of napoleon's domination a green refuge from the desert of stone brick and water or to the church of San Pietro in Castello, till Napoleon's Day the cathedral, at the easternmost point of the city. Beyond the public gardens again, an open breezy meadow walk is offered by the adjacent island of Santa Elena. The Zatere is another delightful promenade, radiant with sunshine on a frosty winter's day, resplendent with sunset glow on any fine evening the venetian sunset should be viewed by everyone from the zatere on foot and from the bacino and different parts of the lagoon in gondola facing the zatere on the other side of the wide Giudecca canal is another long promenade running practically the whole length of the island of that name this fondamenta does not attract the general run of visitors partly because facing north it lies for a large part of the day in the shade a recommendation surely on a hot, sultry day, and partly because its buildings are mean and squalid compared with those on the other side of the water. English visitors are apt to confine their attention to the important church of the Redentore and to the altogether charming little English hospital, Ospedale Cosmopolitano, close by, where they are sure of a warm English welcome from the matron and her efficient staff but if it were only for the long straight sprint it offers in a city of narrow lanes with countless turns this fundamenta of the Giudecca would appeal to the englishman whose constitutional is almost a part of his creed the promenade affords moreover a most varied and comprehensive view both of the shipping which crowds more and more thickly every year into the Giudecca canal and of the heart of venice on the other bank nor is the view of the lagoon from the far side of the island to be despised the little terrace on the roof of the english hospital forms a magnificent point of vantage to the east just across the narrow rio de la croce it is flanked by the refreshing green mass of mr eden's spacious garden with its endless rows of lilies and bowers of roses to the north the outline of the redentore church leads the eye on to an extended and general view of Venice-while southwards and westward moor-gardens shape themselves into a foreground for the loveliest and dreamiest vista of outspread water and magic floating islands backed by the far-off mountains of Padua-too coy to show themselves except just now and again. chapter four.